All right, guys. Well, it is good to be with y'all tonight. You guys can turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28. Just going to be honest, we're going to kind of be all over the place, so y'all better have your fingers ready to roll. Um, starting off at the beginning, we're going to kind of jump all over the place, but you can, you can get to Matthew. Honestly, don't go to Matthew 28. Go to Matthew 1. That'll save you a little time. We'll get to Matthew 28 a little later, um, or actually Matthew 4. I'm sorry. You can go to Matthew 4. I'm um, just trying to throw you guys off, keep you on your toes. Um, for, for those of you who were, I think it was last week, Pastor Jim was uh, teaching uh, on the parables of, of the lost sheep and the coin, unless that was the week before. Um, but uh, a beautiful passage where Jesus expresses his heart for humanity, right? Where he expresses his heart for the lost in our world. Um, and just that, like Pastor Jim brought out, that persistence that Jesus was bringing out in those parables, um, and, and that place that he was also bringing out to where our hearts are in sync with his heart, with his heart and not in a space of, of, you know, thinking, looking down on the lost and looking down on those who have gone astray, instead having that heart of compassion. Um, such an important thing, and that's kind of, you know, we're, we're going to go on right along with that, um, but uh, before we do that, let's just uh, pray one more time and just ask that the Lord would meet us through this time of studying together. Lord, I thank you that your word is, is alive, it's active, it's powerful. And so, Lord, just to even speak it up here, Lord, um, we, we expect to hear from you tonight and, and, and to have change in our lives, Lord. And I pray that for everyone in this room, whether they came here tonight planning to hear from you or not, that they would hear from you. Because I know you want to speak to everyone in this room. You, you love everyone in this room. And so we cry out that you would speak to us. Give us hearts that are soft to hear from you, our God and our maker. And we cry out for this, Lord, and make our hearts like your heart. Um, we, just, we pray for the power of your spirit to be at work in our, our lives in this moment. And, and that it would just continue to transform us to be more like Christ. And if there's any here that don't know you tonight, Lord, I pray that you would bring salvation even tonight. We know that you are mighty to save, and so we put our hope and confidence in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So uh, all throughout the New Testament, um, we, see, we see the gospel, the good news, right? That's what the gospel means is good news. Um, of Jesus, of what he's come to do to save us from our sins, to bring de- deliverance. We see that preached all throughout the New Testament. Um, we see that preached plus discipleship happen, right? I mean, you, you can hardly go a, a page in the New Testament without seeing that in some shape or form. It, it's entirely essential to the Christian faith, and I know you guys know that, I think, you know, for, for most of us, that's Christianity 101, but I think it can be so easy for us to, to lose sight of that, especially in a, such a busy world uh, where, like Jesus said in the, the parable of the, the sower, that the, the weeds, the cares of this life, and the riches and, and the worries can just distract our hearts from allowing God's word to, to bear fruit in our lives, cause us to be the people he's called us to be. Um, and, and we can easily drift away from the, the, how essential it is to be preaching the gospel and to be uh, discipling 
other people. And, and, and sometimes we can never even really enter into that fully, right, that, that God would have us to enter into. Um, when we think about it, I mean, we are followers of Christ, right? And, and the, the term Christian literally means little Christ, right? I mean, we're supposed to be following in the footsteps of Jesus. First John puts it this way. He says, whoever says he abides or lives in him, lives in God, lives in Christ, ought to walk or live in the same way in which he walked, he lived, right? So if we say we belong to Jesus, if we say that we're in Christ, he says, hey, we ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, right? And that's, that's all throughout the scriptures we're told that, that that is our goal as a Christian is to become more and more like Christ, right? The scriptures say that he's seeking to, to transform us into the image of, of his son. And so that is, you know, who we should be looking to, right? That's what the book of Hebrews says, to look to, to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our, finisher of our faith. Um, and, and so when we, when we think about Jesus and when we get to see him in the Gospels, I mean, um, as I was thinking this through even today, um, it was just kind of cool to, to think about, like, skimming through the Gospels and seeing, like, man, there's not a page in the Gospel that you don't see Jesus sharing the good news, um, you know, reaching out to people, discipling people. I mean, it was just an ever-present part of his life. And if he's the one that we're modeling, then, then that is what should be also true for our lives. So I just want to kind of, we could literally just sit and read through the Gospels and like, um, because it's, it's, like I said, on every page, every verse, pretty much, you see Jesus walking in these things. Um, but I've just picked out a handful, and by a handful, I mean like a handful. So be ready. Um, if, if you're not engaged, you're, you're, you're not going to get it, but we came here to study the Bible, right? So get your Bible out, be ready, um, and, and I'll give you the references, and we'll go. But if you're not reading along, I don't think you're going to keep up. But just, I want us to see how, how much of a focus this was for Christ as he was here in this world. So Matthew chapter 4, we'll start in verse 17. It says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? So at that time, Jesus just starts to tell the people there, hey, turn from your sins, repent, right? Get ready because the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? I mean, Jesus is there. He's ushering in the kingdom of God. Um, And and he just, he tells them that, right? He starts to preach it. And then immediately after that, verse 18, Jesus starts to call disciples, right? So verse 18, it says, Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee and saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And then he, he goes on from there, right, and, and, and grabs a couple other disciples. Um, and they immediately leave everything and follow him. Um, jump down to verse, um, well, chapter 9, chapter 9 of Matthew, and we'll read verse 35. It says this, John chapter 9, verse 35, it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, kind of like their church buildings of sorts. Um, Easy for us to understand it that way anyways. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Again, we see Jesus, he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom and he's he's traveling all over the place, right? He's not just kind of doing this lethargically. I mean, he is intentionally traveling miles and miles to be able to share the gospel of the kingdom with other people. 
Verse 36 says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. So again, kind of like what Pastor Jim was teaching about when, you know, talking about the compassion that Jesus has for people. And and he sees the multitude of people and it just says, he has compassion on them, right? And so when we think about that, I mean, that's an amazing thing for us to think about, that love that Christ has for all of us in this room, all of the people in the world, he has compassion, right? I mean, that's obviously what led him to the cross. He said, nobody takes my life from me. I give it freely, right? Um, he, he laid it down because he loves us and wanted to save us from our sins. And we see that, that heart even here. He's moved to compassion because it says, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Okay, so Jesus sees the multitudes, he has compassion, and then he's being, you know, he's making disciples. In that moment, he's, he's, you know, uh, growing his disciples by saying, hey, when you see the harvest is plentiful, when you see people like this that we're looking at, these crowds of people who are weary, they're scattered, and, and it doesn't necessarily speak of the physical, right? It's the, the spiritual, like what Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus sees into these people's hearts. He sees into their lives that they're broken, right? That they're, they're lost, they're confused, they're scared, and, and he knows that they need him, the true shepherd, right? And he sees that, and so he encourages his disciples he says hey when you see that pray that the lord would send out laborers right because the laborers are few and the harvest is plentiful Uh, and that's certainly a key for us if we're going to engage in the 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 space of preaching the gospel and in making disciples we need to start with being on our knees and crying out to god for his work because it starts with him and he'll use us if we let him right but that starts there go down to chapter 10 and uh, pick it up in verse 5. It says, These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying... So Jesus, in this moment, is sending out his twelve disciples, all right? So not only has he, uh, you know, brought them to a place of, of, you know, where they've put their trust in him, but now he, he's discipled them, and he's bringing them to a place where he's sending them out so that they can start sharing the gospel with other people, right? And so he says... He commands them and says, Do not go to the way of the Gentiles and do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. And then he says, Cast out demons. And then he says a beautiful thing here. He says, Freely you have received, freely give. And just another side note, as we think about are responding to the gospel and us sharing the gospel with other people and us being the salt and the light of the world. It's all about us first receiving the grace of God, right? And so he says, because you freely received from him, right, then we can freely give, right? And that's always how this works. If we're going to be a part of what God's doing, it's we're first receiving from him and, and then we're freely giving because he's freely given it, right? Like First uh, John says, we love because he first loved us, right? So it's always a response to God for who he is and what he's done. But again, we're, our focus here is seeing Jesus's focus, right? In, in, in this world, he, he has this focus where he is, he is on a mission to preach the gospel, right? To preach the good news of the kingdom of God, that, that he had come to save us from our sins. So keep going. We'll jump to Matthew 28. So a little bit of a jump there. Um, I'm sorry, not 28. 
18. We'll jump to Matthew 18. Once again, just trying to keep you on your toes. Um, Matthew 18 and verse 11. And, and Jesus is going to state why he's come. He, verse 11, he says, For the Son of Man, and he's talking about himself there, he says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go uh, to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? So again, Jesus lets us know, hey, I've come. And the reason I come, I, I, I've come is to save lost people, right? And uh, for all of us, we were there at one point. Maybe some of us in this room still are in that space where we're lost. We have no idea what's up and down. Like we were in spiritual darkness and bondage to our sins. And, and Christ is even tonight wanting to bring you into uh, rescue, right? He's wanting to, to cause you to be found in Him, right? But if you're here tonight and you know the Lord, you were in that space and, and Jesus pursued you, right? And praise the Lord for that, that he, he has come to seek and to save the lost. Jump over to 26 of Matthew. And uh, just a quick verse. In this moment, um, this, is, this is Jesus in, in a really a hard space um, in his life. He is literally just hours away from dying on the cross, and, and he is in the Garden of Gethsemane praying to, to his Father and saying, Hey, Father, if it be your will, take this cup away from me, but not my will, but your will be done. So intense, the Bible tells us, that of his, his anguish, because he knows what he's about to do. Not only is his body about to be mangled, right, beyond compre- uh, physical like recognition, you know, he's, he's going to be busted up that bad, right? But, but most of all, um, he, he's about to take on the sins of the entire world and be separated uh, for the first time ever from, from his father. And it tells us that he was in the garden sweating drops of blood because of the intensity of what he was going through. But in this moment, I find it so cool that even in such an intense space, he's, he's seeking to to disciple his followers. He's seeking to bring them to a place where they would grow in their faith. Because in verse 41, he, he tells them in this moment, because they're like falling asleep, he's trying to get them to pray with him. He's like, hey, pray with me. Like, you know, and, and how frustrating would that have been? I mean, if you had these guys that you'd been with for years and you're trusting in them, you know, like they're companions. And, and then in the moment of your greatest need, they're kind of falling asleep while you're asking them to pray, right? But in that moment, Jesus doesn't, you know, get all, all sassy or all angry or something like that, but he's, his heart is still for his disciples. He's trying to disciple them. He's trying to meet them, and he just says, hey, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak, and so even in this moment of intensity, Jesus is reaching out to, to disciple his followers, right, to, to train them in the way they should go. Jump to the other gospel. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Jump to Mark. Um, we won't have quite as many references in Mark, but uh, Mark chapter 1, and we'll just read verse four, starting in verse 14. It says this, Now after John was put in prison, John the Baptist, Jesus came to Galilee, and again, what is he doing? Preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel, right? So again, we see Jesus bringing this message. Um, 
you know, and everywhere he's going, he's preaching this message to turn away from your sins and because the kingdom of God is at hand. Um, and he's preaching a good news because Jesus has come to bring deliverance from sins, right? And, and then right after that, verse 16, it says, and he walked by the Sea of Galilee and he saw Simon and Andrew. Again, we already read this in, in Matthew. And he tells them, follow me. And they follow him, right? So again, we see him preaching the gospel and then making disciples, right? When people respond to his call of, of faith, he, he's seeking to disciple them, to train them up in what it means to be a follower of Christ. Um, jump down to verse 38 of chapter 1. And but he, Jesus, said to them, Let us go into the next town that I, the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all of Galilee and casting out demons. Okay, so that's all we're going to read in Mark. Uh, Jump over to Luke. I just want us to see that this is all throughout the Gospels. And literally, if you were to just read the Gospels from cover to cover, you would see it all throughout it, like Jesus continually preaching. I mean, the sermons, that's what he's doing. He's preaching the Gospel of the Kingdom, and he's discipling his followers, right? Um, So there's like so much in between that we've missed. We've just kind of got snippets. Um, Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4 says this, verse 16 is where we'll be. Um, Jesus was in a synagogue, and we'll actually skip down to verse 18, and, and he starts to read from the, the scroll of Isaiah, and, and the, what he's reading about is a prophecy of himself, right? So he's reading something that, the, that Isaiah had, had said was going to happen. He says, the Spirit of the Lord, verse 18, is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom or liberty to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed. And even if that's somebody here tonight that is, feels in, in bondage and in, in oppressed to, to sin and darkness, that's what Jesus came to do, to set free, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he sits down and, and says, hey, in your hearing, this has been fulfilled, saying, hey, I'm the fulfillment to what this is. I've come to do that, right? Um, if you skim down to verse 42, he, he says the same thing, right? That um, actually verse 43, it says, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities because for this purpose I have been sent. Jump down to chapter 5, verse 27, and Jesus is calling a tax collector to follow him. If you're familiar with a tax collector, um, back then, I mean, they were just looked down upon uh, even more than they are today, right? Um, they, they were really looked down upon as, as traitors and, and the scum of the earth. And Jesus, in, in, in typical Jesus fashion, reaches out to the people that people think are, are useless, people think are unredeemable. And he says, hey, follow me, right? Follow me. And so in this place, we just, it's a beautiful reminder that anyone, nobody's too far from, from Christ. But again, what do we see Christ doing? He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and he's making disciples, right? He's calling people to follow him. And it, Matthew, he does it, right? Um, he, he leaves everything and, and follows Jesus. We could keep going and going. Um, in, in, in the scriptures, there's several. Um, I'll read... 
couple more. Chapter 13. Chapter 13 and verse 1. And, you know, reading what Jesus does, if you're wanting to learn how to make disciples, if you're wanting to learn how to preach the gospel, just reading how Jesus handles situations and how he introduces the gospel is so amazing, right? So here in chapter 13, um, it says there's some present um, at that season, some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices, right? So the, one of the leaders had, had done some, some pretty brutal things there to some people, and they're asking Jesus about it, right? And Jesus turns it into a space where he can preach the gospel, right? Verse 2, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, do you suppose that these Galileans were any worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you no, but unless you repent, turn from your sins, you will also likewise perish, right? Be destroyed. Speaking of hell, separation from God. Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed, do you think that they were worse sinners than the other men who lived in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. So again, Jesus taking even a, a, you know, the current events and using them to share the gospel. We, but we see him on this mission. We see him walking in this. Um, so, so many things we could, we could keep going. I mean, like I said, it's all throughout there. You get to the, the Gospel of John, right? And, and the Gospel of John is just one sermon after another of Jesus preaching the Gospel, right? You get to John chapter 3, the most famous verse probably in the Bible, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life, right? And then He goes on to say, for God did not send His Son into the world to, to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved, right? So Jesus didn't come to, to, to bring condemnation, but to bring salvation. And, and this was Jesus preaching to Nicodemus, right? Um, and, and one thing after another in the Gospel of John, you see the same thing. And, and one of the reasons why I love John so much is because Jesus is just constantly like getting at the place of, of calling people to faith in Him. Um, constantly preaching the gospel. You see it in John chapter 4 where Jesus just brings it up so naturally in a conversation, right? He sits at a well because he's tired. He's been walking and a lady comes up who's, you know, a different ethnicity than him and, and th- those two ethnicities didn't really have anything to do with each other and he's like, hey, give me a drink. And then he uses that. She's like, why are you talking to me, right? We don't have anything to do with each other. And Jesus uses that to bring her in and says, hey, if you knew who you were talking to and the gift that he has, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water, right? So he turns it. He uses that to turn it to speak to, to the need that she had because Jesus loves everybody and he wants everybody to come to a knowledge of the truth, to come to salvation. And so well, as we think about this, guys, it's all, all throughout the Gospels when we think about it. If we're called to live a life of, like Christ, it's all throughout the Gospels. This is what Jesus did day in and day out. And so as followers of Christ, we should be seeking to grow in this more and more, right? Growing in it more and more. Now, I didn't touch on the last bit of, of each of those chapters in, in these Gospels, but at the end of, of uh, each of the books, right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, literally at the end of every one of those, Jesus leaves his followers with a great commission, right, with this, this space of saying, hey, do what I've done, right? Go into the world and make disciples of all people. So I'll just put these up on the screen so you don't have to keep flipping. Um, but Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus ends it this way. He says, 
And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news of Christ, to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but those who do not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe in my name, will cast out demons, they'll speak in new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them, and they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. And then they walk in that, right? They do it. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out, and what they do? They did what Jesus told them to do. They preached everywhere. And it says, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Okay, so we see Jesus gives this command, and then they do it, right? And it says, the Lord was working with them in that. So that's the end of Mark. The end of Luke, Jesus puts it this way. He says, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ, the Messiah, to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness or remissions of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, right? So again, he's commanding his people, preach the gospel, right? And he says, you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And if you know, uh, Luke wrote the, the book of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. And so Acts kind of picks up right where Luke left off in, in the gospel of Luke. And so it goes this way, Jesus speaking again to his disciples right before he ascends. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right. So we see it that the end of all these gospels, end of of John is the same way. John chapter 20, it says, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Okay, so think about that. The same way that God the Father sent God the Son into the world, and what did he send him to do? To seek and to save the lost, to preach the gospel, to make disciples. The same way that God the Father sent the Son, Jesus is saying he's sending us right? He's sending his disciples. He says, um, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So, so we see this throughout the scriptures. Go ahead and turn to, to the end of, of Matthew, Matthew uh, chapter 28, but we see this throughout the entire New Testament, right? Um, like, that's what the letters are from Paul the Apostles and, and, and Peter. Like, these are letters that these men are sending to preach Christ, right, and to disciple the people who have come to Christ, right? So literally, like, the whole New Testament is full of this. And I think probably all you guys know this, and maybe you're like, okay, all right, you said it enough, you said it enough, you said it enough. But unless, like, we're living it like that, then we can't say it enough until we're living it like that, right? We've got to be living it, you know, um, just living it like Christ lived day in and day out. This is who we are and what we are. So in Matthew 28 is where we're going we're, we're gonna to to look out for a few moments, not incredibly long. But Matthew 28, uh, this is maybe one of the fa- most famous uh, sections with the, Jesus giving the Great Commission, what is often ter- termed the Great Commission. Verse 16 It says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. This is after Jesus has died and risen from the dead. And they went to the mountain which Jesus had appointed, told them to go to, right? Verse 17, 
When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority on heaven, um, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So, so he starts off by just telling him, hey, all authority, it's been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth, it's mine, right? And that's really important because if some random person off the street were to come up to you and say, hey, I want you to go make disciples of me, that would be like, you're crazy, right? I'm not going to live the rest of my life for some random stranger who's telling me to do this, right? It's like, who are you and what do you want me to do for you? Like, come on, give me a break, right? But Jesus He's Jesus, right? He's, he's God the Son. He has all authority on heaven and on earth. So when he speaks this, he, he is worthy of being listened to, right? We are his subjects. If we've, if we've uh, come to him for salvation, not only is he our creator, but he's our, he's our savior, right? And, and he's also our master, right? He's our Lord. And so we should rightly come and say, okay, that's what I'm going to do, right? He, he has that authority, and I'm going to respond by saying, yes, I'm going to follow you, right? And so he says, because all authority is mine, go and make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. And, and that term disciple is, is not just like, hey, go, go preach the gospel only, right? The term disciple has the idea of we, we preach the gospel, and when people respond, we, we do life with them and, and share Christ with them. Day by day, we're teaching them the ways of Christ, and that's what Jesus is about to get into. He says, teaching them to obey all the commandments, right? So when, when God allows us to be a part of somebody coming to Christ, we should always seek to continue to be involved if there's an opportunity to raise them up in the ways of Christ, right? Not to just leave them high and dry, and that's what Jesus says. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. And so just think about that. I mean, he, he does say this, all, all people. God, um, he, he wants all people to be saved. Um, but this place of, 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 of making disciples, like I said, it's, it's not only preaching the gospel, it's, it's also living the gospel, right? Paul put it this way. He says, imitate me just as I imitate Christ, or follow me just as I follow Christ. So the, the, the way of, of making disciples, it's, it can't just be we're saying one thing and living another, right? Who's going to follow that, right? And that's not what Christ did. I mean, he was, he was true to himself, right? And, and he called people to follow him, and he was real and genuine. And so Paul invited people. He says, hey, I'm following Christ. You can follow my example as I follow Christ, and we should be doing that same thing so people can follow our example, People who, who haven't been walking with the Lord like we have, you know, for as long as we have, we're able to, to say that. So it involves not only preaching it, but it involves living it, um, and it involves just like a, a consistent personal influence, right? By, by living as Christ and teaching them, as Christ just said, all the things that he's commanded us. Now, I love the way Paul describes his, his relationships with the, the church in Thessalonica, and uh, just check this out as we read it. He says, but we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, the good news of God, but also our own lives, to share with you our own lives because you had become dear to us. 
And he says this, For you remember, brethren, our labor, our toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preached you the good news of God. You are witnesses. And God also knows how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believed. As you know, we exhorted you, uh, how we exhorted you and comforted you and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you should walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So he's like, hey, we came alongside you guys. We were living it out, right? But it wasn't just like, hey, we, we preached the gospel and then we were out, right? I mean, sometimes there are spaces where we only get that opportunity, right? But we should always be seeking, okay, if, if the Lord allows me to share the gospel with somebody and they come, then we should be preaching that gospel and then living it out and making disciples, teaching them to observe, like Jesus said, all the things that he's commanded, right? And, and, um, and like we said, he wants all people to be saved. Timothy puts it this way, God our Savior wants all men or all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. There's only one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for, for us all. So this is, this is a reality that um, he wants all people, right? And that's what he says, all nations. He doesn't say, oh, everybody but this certain people group. He says all people to come, right? And when they come, he says, hey, baptize them. When they've come to, to trust in Jesus, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Again, um, affirming the, the doctrine of the Trinity, and then he says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Now, when we think about this great commission, I mean, it's a huge burden. It's a huge responsibility. And if, it were, if Jesus were to end it right there, I mean, we would be left, like, overwhelmed and, and without hope. There's no way we could live this thing out on our, own, on our own strength. But what Jesus says next is what gives us hope to actually live out what he's commanded us to live out. He says, and lo, or behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Right? And this is what gives us the ability to actually do what he's called us to do because it is an impossible work to see people come to Christ, to see people's lives change, their eyes open from darkness into light, right? To, um, to move them along and, and grow them in, in Christ, that's impossible unless Christ is with us and Christ is in us and working, right? And I love the way Moses responded to the presence of God, right? When God first called Moses to go to Egypt, right? Moses kept making excuses like, I'm scared to go set your people free, right? And, but God says, but I will be with you, right? That was the assurance that God gave Moses. And then years down the road, right, where when, when God's telling Moses, hey, I want you to go into the land, right, that I've promised and to conquer that, right? Um, uh, but, but he says, but I'm not going to go with you, right? I'll, I'll send an angel to go with you, but, but I'm not going to go with you. And, and Moses responds like this, and it's beautiful. He says, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up for here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Moses realized, hey, the power that we have to, to be an impact in this world is the presence of God. And Jesus, that's what he's promised us. He says, I'm with you to the very end of the days, right? No matter what, no matter how scary the situation is, right? If you're preaching the gospel in the hood, right? Jesus says, hey, I'll be with you there, 
right? If you're preaching gospel in Roswell, New Mexico, I'll be with you there, right? Uh, Crazy Town Roswell or whatever they call it. Um, Jesus is with us wherever we go, and so we don't have to fear. And and we can go with boldness, knowing that that he is going to work. Paul put it this way in Colossians, and and it kind of just sums up really well kind of just sums up really well what he's talking about, what Jesus just told us about how to be proclaiming this. Paul says, Christ him we preach, warning every person and teaching every person in all wisdom that we may present every person perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily, right? So Paul's saying, hey, this is what we're doing, right? We're preaching Christ, right? We're telling everybody about Jesus because Jesus is the only hope for anyone, right? Jesus, the, the scriptures say, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Christ is the only way, and so we preach Christ. We don't preach ourselves. Ourselves aren't gonna do a darn thing, right? Only Jesus can save, and so Paul's saying, hey, we preach Christ, and what we're doing, we're warning other people. We're warning them that hell is coming, that, that sin will ha- has separated us, and we need salvation, right? And also warning people who know Christ to stay away from sin, right? Warning them and teaching every man in all wisdom, right? That's what Jesus said. Hey, preach the gospel, and and, and then teach them, right? Make those disciples. Teach them. Teach them, and, and he says, teaching them in all wisdom, and look at this, his end goal, that we could present every person perfect in Christ, and so that's the goal. It's, it doesn't stop with just somebody coming to Christ, but it comes to uh, growing in Christ, right? And so that's the idea of a mature believer, he says, bringing them to a perfect in Christ, and then look at what he says. How does, how did Paul do this? He says, to this end, I'm working hard, like I'm laboring, I'm striving. And then he says, what power he's striving with. He says, it's according to Christ's working that is working within me mightily, right? As Paul would say elsewhere, I can do all things through Christ. All things that Christ would call him to, he could do through Christ. And so that's the key. That's the key. And so um, as we're thinking through this, where are we at on living this out? Right, where are we at on living out, sharing the gospel? Because I think the American church is so easy for us to be so complacent in this, in this country. Um, so easy. There's so many distractions. There's so many things going on. So many things. And, and where are we at? Right? Just think to yourself, when was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Right? When was the last time you were discipling somebody? And maybe you're doing it, right? Maybe you are. But maybe if you answer that question, you're like, man, it's been, it's been a month. It's been a year. It's been, I can't even remember when. Then I would just encourage you to think about the example we have of the apostles in Acts 5, right after they were released from prison, right, from people saying, hey, stop preaching Jesus, right? Stop pe- preaching Jesus. They beat him up, and then they let him go, and this is what they do, <laughs> And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease or did they not, did, did not stop teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the Savior, the rescuer from sins, right? What did they do? Every day. They're just about it. Every day. This was their life. And that's what Jesus did, right? Every day, Jesus was preaching the gospel. He was making disciples. That's what the apostles were doing, right? And that's what God has called us to do, to follow in his footsteps. So it's a, it's a lifestyle, right? It wasn't like Jesus 
was like, oh, you know, if I had time, I'll, I'll get around to, to preaching the gospel and, and making disciples, right? I mean, if anybody had that excuse, it would be Jesus, right? I mean, he's kind of like holding the universe together by the power of his word, as the Bible says. So he had a few things to do, right? But he, he made time to come into this world and, and to preach the gospel to anyone and everyone who would listen, right? He, he would preach the gospel because he knew that was the, mankind's only hope, right? He preached the gospel um, and, and made disciples, and so it was, his, it was his lifestyle. It wasn't just this thing he would occasionally do. It was like a continual, like, hey, looking for opportunity everywhere he went. And that's the way God's called us to. It's like we should, you know, maybe, maybe we don't always get an opportunity every day. Maybe we don't, right? But we should be praying for that, and we should be seeking that every day. Like, God, I'm seeking your kingdom first. Lord, if there's people I can share your gospel with today, let me do it. If there's other believers that need to be encouraged in their faith, let me do it, right? Show me where to go. Lead my path, Right? We don't want to be living a a, a complacent life. Um, So uh, I've got a a little illustration here, uh, some chairs set up here that are not normally up here. Uh, Hopefully it's helpful. Um, If it's not, you can just be like, forget it, you know, whatever, this guy's weird. And yeah, it's probably true. It's what happens when you get youth pastors up here. Um, anyways, I, I, a youth pastor friend of mine from First Baptist shared this illustration with me, and it clicked for me, and it was helpful. So, like I said, you're not going to go to the book of Matthew and, and see in the text, behold, the kingdom of heaven is like these four chairs. You know, you're not going to see that. Uh, but I think it can be a helpful illustration for where people are at. And so, let me, let me walk through this with you guys, and if it's helpful, great. If it's not, just uh, pay attention to what we've already said in the Word. So uh, this illustration kind of goes with just four different places people can find themselves. And, and this first chair, which you guys can probably barely see from over there, is, uh, is a chair that represents somebody who, who is an unbeliever, somebody who does not know Jesus. And, and you know, Ephesians puts it well, describing an unbeliever says that they're having no hope and without God in the world, right? That's the description that the Bible gives of unbelievers. And, and so this first chair, it's, it's speaking about somebody who, who doesn't know the Lord. The second chair would be uh, somebody who's a brand new believer, right? But they're kind of uh, a baby Christian, and maybe they're kind of getting comfortable. They're like, okay, I'm saved, right? I'm not going to hell no more, so I'm just going to kick up my feet, and chillax, right? It's like, this is great, you know, and they just start watching Netflix or whatever they want to do. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, the dangerous thing is it's easy to stay in this cozy chair because, you know, you have peace with God, and yeah. But that is not where the Lord wants us to stay. So that's kind of the complacent Christian or maybe just the baby Christian who doesn't really know what the Lord wants of them yet. Um, the carnal Christian, possibly. Chair number three would be somebody who's starting to grow in their faith in Christ, right? They're, they're saved, and they're starting to get it. They're starting to see, oh, Jesus saved me, and now other people, they need what I just got from Jesus, right? They need to be saved, so I need to start telling people about Jesus. So they start telling people about the message of Jesus, right? And, and, and you know, that, that's this chair here, right? Um, so the maturity's starting to take place. There's growing, 
right? And, and, and this chair here, I had to pick this chair for the mature believer because, you know, this is the type of chair that a mature person would sit on. Just like, you know. Just, anyways, um, yeah. So uh, this, this chair represents the mature believer who who's saved, they're sharing the gospel, but not only are they doing that, they're also reaching back to those who they shared the gospel with, who've come to Christ, and they're discipling them. They're teaching them, like Jesus just said, to observe all these commandments, right? They're raising up disciples who will also be raised up to make disciples. Does that make sense? Right? And and so this is the space that God's calling us to, you know, in that text that we just read, right, to where not only are we preaching the gospel, but we're making disciples, right? We're reaching back, and, and those who are maybe here in, in chair two, you know, they're immature believers. We're helping them to grow in their faith and to become fruitful Christians who are also making disciples, right? Um, you know, and it's an it's a amazing thing, um, the strategy that God's given us. I mean, if you've heard of exponential growth, I mean, that's what happens when we actually start living out what Christ has called us to live out, right? When the power of the Spirit is working through us and people are being saved and we're discipling them and then they start discipling other people, right? It just starts blowing up, right? A guy, uh, a guy wrote this in, during the Great Awakening. Um, Lawrence Tribble wrote it in the 1700s. And it's just a poem. It says, one man awake awakens another. The second awakens his next door brother. Three awake can rouse a town by turning the whole place upside down. The many awake can cause such a fuss. It finally awakens the rest of us. One man awakes with dawn in his eyes. Surely then multiplies, right? And, and he, you know, just, it's so cool because this guy was seeing it happen before his own eyes, the Spirit of God moving in his generation and people getting it, right? And people not stopping in, in the cozy chair, but moving on and growing in their faith and start sharing the gospel and start discipling other people. And, and when one person wakes up and then they get to wake up another, right? And point them to Christ and then they come to Christ and they get it, right? And then they start doing the same thing. It just blows up, right? I mean, you start to have just uh, growth that is, that is just crazy, right? And that's what Christ has called us to, and that's what we see in the early church, right? I mean, it just blew up. Thousands of people came to Christ, right? The first message that Peter gave, 3,000 people gave to, came to Christ, and it was a, the power of the Spirit, but it was coupled with the obedience of the saints, right? We have to be obedient to the call of Christ to walk in this space of, of uh, making disciples and preaching the gospel, so, so as we close um, tonight, I just want us to be honest with ourselves. Honest with ourselves about where we're at with this great commission of Jesus. You know, and, and maybe there's somebody in this room who, who would find themselves um, back in, in chair number one, right, where they actually don't know the Lord. And if that's you tonight, you're like, I don't know the Lord. Like, I have no clue what the heck you're talking about all tonight. You just sound like you're speaking a different language. Um, then just know this. I mean, God loves you. God wants you to be saved. Um, the scriptures say this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, right? And that's not just fancy terminology. That means something. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That means you're believing in him as your master. You're submitting to him. That means you're coming to him and saying, Jesus, which means 
the Lord saves, right? Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. Jesus, I need you to be my Christ. I need you to rescue me because I've made a mess, right? And I deserve hell. And, I, and, and that's calling out to him and saying, save me. And that's what the book of Romans says. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, who he is, calling on him for who he is, what he's done, shall be saved. And if you do that, then you'll move to this chair as, as the scriptures say in, in Romans, I believe chapter five, verse one, that therefore through faith in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God because of what Christ has done for us, right? And, and so maybe uh, tonight you're in this chair, right? You're a new Christian, or maybe you've known the Lord for a long time, but you've kind of just like gotten comfortable in this world, right? There's so many things to do in these, this world. There's so many sports to watch and sports to play and you know, positions in the company to move up, and that's all you're focused on, but you're glad that you have peace with God, right? You're comfortable just sitting here, and God is saying, no, don't stay in that spot, right? God's word to us, if we're here in the space of life of, of just chilling after we've been saved, is, is he wants us to grow, right? Like Colossians says, let your roots grow down deep into Christ, and let his word dwell in you or live in you richly, right? Um, I think of a scripture in 2 Kings, and there's tons of context to it, so I'm not going to be able to cover it all. But if you're in this chair, you need to realize what these guys recognize. Um, 2 Kings, um, there's a bunch of guys who were in really bad trouble, and there was other people in the same situation. They were all going to die, right? But a small group of these guys found rescue. They found salvation. And what they were doing they were just living it up, right? They, had, they were all about to die of starvation and they found a, a forsaken camp with all kinds of food and everything and they're just going to town on it, eating away and hiding treasure and all this kind of stuff, right? And then they, God convicts them, right? And it says, they said to each other, what we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news and we are keeping it to ourselves, if we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let us go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they're like, we can't forsake all those people who are dying in the palace, right? They don't have food either. We got to tell them about this good news. What we are doing is not right, right? And as brothers and sisters in Christ, even more so, if we are sitting in this chair, right, after we've come to Christ and literally we are not investing into the kingdom of God. We are not sharing the gospel to other people we come in contact with. We are not going out and preaching and then we're not being, making disciples. It's like, what are we doing? What we're doing is, this is not right. We're keeping it all to ourselves. This good news, how can we do that, right? Um, as Psalms 107 says, let the redeemed, those that he's brought out of deliverance, he's, he's delivered from bondage. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say it out loud. Speak it. If God saved you, say it. And don't waste your life, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 speaks about a life that can be wasted, that we get to heaven and, and literally everything aside from putting our life on the foundation of Christ is burned up, right? And that would be somebody kind of living in this chair, somebody kind of like locked in the Bible who lived his life, you know, and, and toyed with the world all of his life. Lot did. And at the end of his life, I mean, what does he have for it? His wife, you know, is lost in the, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. His son-in-laws are lost in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. His two daughters are essentially lost in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah because though they got out of the city, the city didn't get out of them, the wickedness didn't get out of them, and they lived in immorality, right? Uh, just a terrible life that was wasted because he, he, he lived here, right, where he, he essentially just was complacent 
in walking with the Lord. And I don't want that for any of us. The Lord doesn't want that for any of us. His desire is that we would grow. We wouldn't stay immature. We'd move on and, and start growing in our faith and, and start sharing the gospel, right? And if maybe some of you guys are here, you're starting to get, you know, a, a fire for the Lord. You're starting to say, man, I want to share the gospel. Well, keep going with that. Keep growing in the Lord, right? Keep learning uh, and, and, and start to begin reaching backwards, right? And not only sharing the gospel, but once people re- come to the Lord, start bringing them over, right? And saying, hey, make disciples, grow in Christ, grow in Christ. And, and as we move here, this is where Christ is, is, is calling us to, a place where we are not only preaching the gospel, but once people come to, to Christ, we're teaching them to obey all the commands, right? We're teaching them to go and make disciples, right? And that's what we saw Jesus doing, right? He, he preached the gospel, he called disciples, and then he sent those disciples out, right? And, and if we want our lives to do what Jesus said in John 15, right? Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit, right? And then we've got to do that because this abiding in Christ is also obeying Christ, right? And we do it through our relationship with him, being near to him, through the power of the Holy Spirit, but we've got to walk in obedience. We've got to do what he says, um, so if you're in this chair tonight, then the encouragement would just be, hey, keep going, right? Keep abiding in Christ. Keep doing what he's called you to do. Keep at it, right? Um, and, and don't stop. Um, so we're going to take communion. Um, and uh, so Pastor Phil, if you want to come up and get ready for that. Um, we're going to take communion. And as we take communion, I have no clue where tonight's message message met you but i know that christ he came to save sinners right like paul said christ came to save sinners and i'm the worst of them all paul said right and we're here tonight not because of of anything about us it's all because of what jesus has done and so even as we take communion the bible tells us that as we take communion what we're doing we're preaching the gospel in the moment of communion right we are proclaiming the death of our lord saying that his blood was shed for our sins his body was broken to bring us as isaiah put it by his wounds we are healed and so as we take communion together tonight let us think about what the lord has done right and let us also realize that if the lord has been merciful and gracious to us we should be merciful and gracious to the people around us right and so as we take communion let us receive uh just the the remembrance of what christ has done for us and be grateful and thankful but may we also say lord forgive us for where we've lacked in sharing this good news and lord give us the strength to share this good news with the world so um like we we say often if you're in chair one, I guess we don't say that often, but if you're in chair one and you don't know the Lord, communion's really not for you, right? This is for, for those of us who know the Lord Jesus. It's us responding to and just saying, hey, we've accepted the Lord Jesus into our hearts. We've accepted the Lord Jesus into our lives. He, he's real to us, right? We've put our hope in his blood and, and his body being broken for us. And so if you're here tonight, uh, you, you don't have to come up for communion unless in this moment you want to come and say, I need Jesus, right? And, and, and additionally, aside from communion, if any of you guys are like, man, I want to grow in making disciples. I want to grow in preaching the gospel. Come talk to some of us, right? Pastor Phil, myself, so many others here, uh, would love to, to walk you through that and say, hey, this is how you share your faith, right? This is how you can disciple. Um, 
And, and if you guys have ideas on how we can grow and become better in that as a fellowship, let's do it, right? I mean, this is what Christ has called us to. That's why we're still here tonight. Jesus said that, you know, he hasn't come back because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so if that's somebody here tonight that needs to repent, do it. And then take communion as celebrating that Christ is your Lord. He is your Savior. So 